Okay, okay. What's going on, Aisha? I'm good. How are you, Mario? I'm blessed. It's Saturday, October 30th, 2021. Just kicking it. On this rainy day? I know, right? It's just, it's been raining like the whole week or just the days that you don't want it to rain. It's when it's raining. That's so okay. annoying. I went to Screamers yesterday. It was raining, but it was actually still pretty fun. Oh, yeah? That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Went that to like seven different haunted houses. One, The first one wasn't too scary, but the rest of them, oh, I almost dropped to the floor. Yeah? Yeah. What's Screamers? Screamers. So who don't know. Also, not from the, the six. <laughs> So Screamers is, this year it was in Vaughn, and it's just a bunch of haunted houses that you walk through and they have people jump out at you and do the whole shebang. And inside there's scary music playing and all that jazz. It's pretty entertaining. Okay, entertaining. Being scared is entertaining. I mean, I guess. Yeah, because there's different themes. There was like a haunted house that was super dark, and then there was a Winter Wonderland haunted house. There's different themes for them, so. Okay, that's cool. Well, I spent my Friday building IKEA furniture. It was okay though. It was for a good cause. A very good cause. So I didn't mind. But anyways, <laughs> we'll keep it moving because <laughs> we are here to talk about uh, something that, you know, we've talked about in our own personal conversations right off mic, right? Just over the years, right? It's a topic that keeps coming up in music, entertainment, and on the news all the time. Like just today, we were just seeing that in East York at the uh, police division, there was allegedly a shooting, like an intended shooting at the police station. That is so crazy. Right? Like, what have we come to in Toronto? I don't know if that had happened before. I can't remember right now, at least. I've never heard of something like that happening recently, to be honest. Right? And apparently they said that uh, they dropped a box of nails or something in front of the property. So it's kind of like, were they sending a message to somebody? I don't know. I don't want to look into it too deep because I would hope that something like that does not happen around here. You know, I want that to stay in the movies or I want to, I want that to stay where it is right now. I mean, I would rather it not exist at all, but you know, not in reality, right? Yeah. It's, it's too much. Right. So we hope that it doesn't escalate from here. Right. Cause that would be very unfortunate, but I was thinking the people that caused this, the people who were brave enough to, or maybe foolish enough to shoot at a police station. What if they had an outlet? What if they had some help, you know, to like let out that rage? Because clearly that's some rage, there's some, some issues there, right? And what if they had something like music, you know, where they could have just, I don't know, vented, you know what I mean? 100%. So on today's podcast, we wanted to talk about the correlation between music and poverty. Right, so it makes sense, right? What could it be? One of the main things, um, an outlet, right? An outlet, uh, an escape that isn't drugs or alcohol you know it's something that could actually be very beneficial it could change their life it could keep them focused you know on good things rather than being roaming the streets shooting at police stations and all kinds of wickedness so there has been studies and they have shown and proven that music lessons can help alleviate the psychological damage that poverty brings and the studies have observed that individuals who learn how to play music experience increased self-esteem and they believe that they can achieve things that they never thought possible. By learning and studying new skills, individuals develop a new sense of discipline that they might not have been, they might not have had before. Um, and it encourages individuals to try new things like attending college and developing a career because they now have a goal that they want to achieve through music. Right. And that's pretty cool, right? Because there's um, something also that has been a conversation 
um, for the last maybe couple of years, right, or a few years, just we've been hearing it more often in podcasts and shows where you don't have to become an athlete or a musician, right, to make it or something in the arts, right? You can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor, you can be some sort of engineer, like, right? Like music and sports is not the only way out of poverty, right? How they make it seem in all of these stories. It's a reoccurring story, right, in the media. Came from the hood, made it big, right? Where are all the doctors that made it out of the hood, right? Why aren't we highlighting a lot more of these people in the mainstream media? That's true. So I wanted to start off by saying, I think the correlation between poverty and music is that music is an art form that allows you to express yourself freely without feeling judged. It gives you the ability to talk about your environment, your experience, and what you see on a daily basis. It gives you the opportunity to release whatever emotions or feelings that are inside you, which in turn can be therapeutic for whatever it is you're going through. Now, while you're sharing your own experience through your music, there's a 99% chance that other people are also going through similar experiences and you get to share in releasing that energy with them too. That's the power of music and why it's so important to so many people because not only one person is going through that experience. Yeah, and it's kind of like when you think about it at a vibration level, these vibrations, if it's the right combination of vibrations, it'll bring multitudes together. It'll bring nations together right to enjoy it and that's pretty intense right just vibrations people unite because of vibrations all right so aisha what do you think um what artists that you know of have come from poverty and have made an impact in the world and brought some awareness to circumstances i guess that occur in their hometown or in the country and you know that they're from that makes sense yeah it makes sense artists that i know that have come from poverty are usually the ones who have made the biggest impact with their music because the lyrics in their music usually talk about what's going on in the world, the injustices, the oppression, and the truth of what's really going on. So one of the artists, the more obvious artists for me that I want to talk about is Bob Marley. Yes, Bob Marley, because he's one of my favorites. And he's always a prime example I like to use because he was considered one of the pioneers of reggae. And his music not only described his environment, but it was created to uplift those going through similar experiences up out of their situations. His music was considered spiritual. It had a positive vibration that everyone could relate to, and that's why it touched so many people globally, not only Jamaicans. It started off on a little island and ended up in Europe, Asia, Australia, everywhere. Everyone felt the positivity of his words and his lyrics, the truth in it, and, you know, just talking about freedom and positivity. Yeah, I remember the first time I heard Bob Marley. I didn't know it was Bob Marley. <laughs> I just heard this music when I was in grade three or four. I had a supply teacher, and it was this white lady, actually. She was kind of, seemed kind of like a hippie. You know, so now when I got older and I understood the music of Bob Marley, it kind of made sense, right, that that was her vibe. But she was playing it in the class while we were just doing our assignments. She was playing it lightly in the background, and it was One Love, the one song that stood out from that day, right? And, you know, just the fact that Bob Marley was impact ended up in my grade three classroom in Toronto, Canada. So I work with children who have autism and we play different types of music to try to calm down their mood sometimes when they're escalated. And we do play a lot of Bob Marley and we've noticed that the students do act calmer and they come down from their escalation when we play the music. So it is beneficial. I wanted to mention that a lot of Jamaican artists who came out of poverty through their music addressed political, social and economic injustices and reggae music became a voice for the poor and dis dispossessed its soundtrack was a celebration of the defiant human spirit that refused to be suppressed and with bob marley he brought to attention the political and 
turmoil happening in Jamaica because it was dividing the people against each other when it came to choosing between political parties because there was a lot of violence going on back in those days with political parties and their supporters. So he was trying to bring the people together through his music. And at one point he was successful for it, but then because he was successful with bringing these people together, he became a target. Yeah, that's pretty intense. He's from Trenchtown, right? He is from Trenchtown. And uh, for those of us that don't really know a whole lot about Trenchtown, like what what was it like? Trenchtown? At least for Bob Marley during his time. So I actually got to go to where he started off in his life, where he used to live when he was younger with his mother in Trenchtown. It was like a tenement yard, a government yard, where um, everyone lives together in a small space. And it's where he actually learned a lot of his talents, playing the guitar. He had um, mentors who taught him the music that he learned. And through that, through their poverty experience, is how so many people came out of that place and became big, and their music got to spread around the world. That's pretty cool. It's the people that you would least expect sometimes that can change the world, right? Or change something or be the first to do something great in their own community or in their own country or continent, right? Yeah. For example, like Richie Valens, for those of you who don't remember or know who Richie Valens was, he was the first Latino rock and roller, right? And he came from a family of fruit pickers, right? With all respect given. You know, he came from a family of fruit pickers and became a legend, right? Changed his family's life, brought more than they could have ever imagined right to richie's family and unfortunately he passed away in a plane accident right with uh, a couple other famous rock and rollers right buddy holly i believe was one of the other ones yeah i remember you showed me a movie about that yeah with uh, lou diamond phillips yeah shout out right and another person who we can't forget i'm pretty sure everybody knows and can never forget daddy yankee daddy daddy yankee daddy yankee he's from rio piedras puerto rico and he was raised in the Via Kennedy housing uh, projects neighborhood, right? So it was just Caserio, um, how they call it in Puerto Rican slang, right? The projects. And Daddy Yankee's life was, you know, pretty pretty grimy, right? He's actually even taken some, some, uh, some bullets from gunfire, right? He has come a long way. Yeah, a long way, you know, and his, his path could have been, you know, his life could have been ended on that day. But thankfully... It was an injury, I think, to his leg. And that also ended up messing up his chances of getting into the major leagues, right? Because he was a baseball player. He wanted, he was aspiring to be a baseball player. I never knew that. Yeah, and, um, you know, I guess for better or for worse, for us, I guess it was the best thing that could have ever happened, you know, that he had no choice but to choose a different path, right? And that's all because of where he grew up. What if he didn't grow up there? Would he have ever become Daddy Yankee? Would the world ever have a Daddy Yankee? Right? Who knows, right? You never know where life is going to lead you and why it's going to bring you there. But in the end, you'll see the true purpose. Right. And Daddy Yankee used to be on the on the streets, you know what I mean? Doing what he had to do to make some money. Right. And thankfully, he had an outlet. He had an outlet, which was music. Right. So he was focused on his baseball career and he was also focused on music. So thankfully, he had a few things, right, that he was able to fall back on. Yeah. Another person, DMX. Rest in peace, DMX, right? But DMX was from Yonkers, New York. And he talked a lot about his struggles growing up there. And he became a global icon, right? Even though a lot of his issues um, he carried with him most of his life, probably his whole entire life. So DMX was from Yonkers, uh, DMX was from Yonkers, New York. 
And he talked a lot about his struggles growing up there and became a global icon based on his stories and just his attitude, the way he was and the way he had to be just to survive where he was from. Right. All of that, all of that raw emotion, but also a lot of darkness that followed him. Right. Because of his experience of where he came from. Right. And the situations that his family grew up in. Right. Were raised up in. I mean, he had a I don't even want to bring up, you know, the things that were flaws in the man, because for those of us who know who DMX was, we don't need to repeat that. We just need to remember the greatness that he became. Right. He could have gone down a different path, but he chose to face his demons and even though he was in pain every day he still chose to try to do something better because he felt like he could help people around him be an inspiration for for people that came from certain situations just like him right and he touched a lot of people and changed a lot of people's lives with his music and just the way he lived his life in his later days trying to be more positive trying to be more of a role model even with his kids right and um the turnout for his funeral and even before he passed away you know a lot of uh, podcasters and major people you know were giving him his flowers right he really is an icon and forever will be right another thing that um that came to mind was like have you noticed that there's always the negative stuff about growing up in the hood that is popular but when it comes to i got out of the hood and i'm doing better and you know in a positive way that that doesn't really sell you're not going to hear something in the club about how you made some investments and, you know, you're doing good. <laughs> you know, you're married with kids. Yeah, it's about, it's like everyone wants to hear about the struggle and about the grime and, like, the clawing your way out of it, but not actually hearing about what happens, what's the next step. Right? And that, that brings up the question, like, do listeners enjoy music about the hood, the ghetto, the projects, because they think it's cool? They think it's cool to live that kind of life? They think it's cool to have to experience that every day like what is it that draws people to that what is it that draws people to hip-hop maybe they feel like they're living vicariously through the artists or it makes them feel dangerous it makes them feel like they're living that life not because they're actually experiencing it but because they're hearing about somebody else rapping about it it makes you feel more tough so that's why you think perhaps that people that's why they gravitate to that kind of message in music even those because even those who grew up in suburbs right and more stable neighborhoods love that type of music. They love hearing music about people killing each other. Unfortunately, what you mainly hear is uh, black people killing each other, right? And this music, and they're bumping it. Like you're from the suburbs. <laughs> Living nice and cushy. Nice and cushiony. plush. Cushiony. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's, it's strange, right? It's a strange attraction to real danger and, and trauma that people have gone through that is being glorified. Does it fascinate people to know that violence, gang culture, drugs, hunger, unemployment, homelessness, low income, single parent homes, death inspired some of the most popular songs? Like so many different things, so many different forms of, I guess, for lack of a better term, dysfunctionality. Is that a word? Yep. <laughs> right? It's being glorified. That's so messed up, isn't it? It is, 100%. You never hear about anyone rapping about, you know... Looking at the sky, watching the stars, seeing the butterflies fly through the sky, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, next thing I was thinking when we were talking, right, about all of this. Why do artists such as Jennifer Lopez feel the need to stay connected to their roots? You know, she's from the Bronx, right? The South Bro- South Side. The, the south, <laughs> south Side Bronx. From the Bronx. Right? Jenny from the Block. 
I'm still. I'm still. <laughs> Trying not to get copyright. <laughs> <laughs> um, like she had to make a statement, you know, in that song that it's like, hey, you know, like I'm, I made it, but I haven't forgotten where I'm from. Look I'm- at me. I can say, I can swear in my music. I have the locks on the track. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what, what is the need to continue to remind people, hey, I'm still from here? It's like saying you still have your street cred. Like saying, hey, I haven't gone soft. I'm still here. I'm still tough. I still got it. But why does it matter? Why does it matter to be reminded of the past when you, you were struggling? You know, and stay connected to that. Why not just keep it as a reminder? But instead, she used it to market herself. Maybe it was to inspire people from where she was from. To continue to try to continue to try to aspire for for greater things, it's a possibility. But it just seems like she wants she wanted to continue getting validation from the streets, and she didn't need it. At that point, she was already Selena for probably over a decade when that song came out, Jenny from the Block. She was already like legend. But it's just like for her, I feel like even me thinking about the lyrics, it's just like her reminding herself and. You know, reminding herself where she came from, that she's grounded. She's not, you know, just because she's made all this money doesn't mean she's not the same person that she was when she was growing up. Okay, so why is it that you got to remind people? Like, okay, so when it comes to that, they also embrace the ghetto-ness, right? At that time, she was, I don't know, like, when when she came out with that video, it just seemed like she was trying to look more hood, right? Why why is it that people always relate to ghetto-ness more? Like, Wu-Tang Clan. For example, their style, their style wasn't really necessarily like that, I think, because they wanted to have oversized baggy clothes and all that stuff that they had. Like, that's probably all they had they could wear, mm-hmm. right? And that style became just very popular because it was consistent with them. But that's just consistent with what it looked like to not have a whole lot from where they came from, right? So, and it became like the main style, like it changed everything. <laughs> it became the official urban style of like the 90s into early 2000s, right? Trends. They started trends. It was popular. Right now, everybody's like wearing designer, <laughs> right? That's the trend now. Panda. It's becoming like that, at least with a certain scene. Like the now that hip hop is mainstream, right? It's yeah. It's just like everybody wants luxuries now. Like nobody cares about being creative with their clothing. They're just trying to be risky. This is absolutely true. Hmm. Um, could it be because it's raw, pure, mostly unscripted reality? Why people relate more to things relating to the hood, street style, unscripted reality. Like, what what could that mean? I don't even know why I said that. (laughs) But unscripted reality is just like, you're not trying to be something more than just trying to get out. Right? This is what it looks like when you have no other choice. This is you for now. And that's what's popular because the biggest artists came from this type of world. Mm -hmm. Right? Of not having a whole lot. Um... Slick Rick, classic um, old school uh, rapper, right? Legend. And he has a story, right? Children's story. And he talks about stories of what goes on in the hood, right? And it's pretty intense, you know, like that that type of storytelling was starting to happen during that time so that people can know what was going on. Because they didn't really know what was going on during that time unless you saw the news and you heard the negative stuff that was happening. Another thing that I noticed while doing some research for this podcast is hip-hop right the hip-hop um i guess you can say um trajectoria how do you say like how hip-hop has progressed right from its inception to now um it came out really hip-hop when black exploitation was happening right black exploitation films um there was an ideology during that time 
that equated black strength and authentic black identity with a militantly adversarial stance toward American society. Something that I came across while doing research for this podcast right, was an article called How Hip-Hop Holds Back Blacks. Oh. Right? Holds back? I don't know about that. Okay. Well, that's why we're here to discuss this, right? So what the article was basically saying was the hip-hop ethos can trace its genealogy to the emergence in that decade of black ideology that equated black strength and authentic black identity with a militantly adversarial stance toward American society. Yeah, I would say like hip hop hip hop started off more I want to say fun. It was more of a reflection of what was going on and it was Did it have a political stance? Oh yeah, there? because I mean um something during that time as well was uh Malcolm X was very popular, right? The Black Panthers. Right. Um mm. including uh white allies, right? Liberals we're beginning to view that black crime and violence was perfectly natural, even appropriate responses to the supposed dehumanization and poverty inflicted by a racist society. Right? So briefly, by, briefly, this militant spirit embodied above all in the Black Panthers infused black popular culture from the plays of Leroy Jones to black exploitation movies. Right? Mm-hmm. It just all of these things were celebrating the black criminal rebel as a hero. Okay, okay. And we all know they didn't like that. When I say they, who are we talking about? Well, those of whom we do not speak of. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And the same thing, I guess, could be said about the Latin community in that time. I mean, there's a very popular stoner movie, right? Cheech and Chong. It's okay that the white guy was smoking, but, like, the the one representation that we had at that time was a stoner Mexican. You know, but hey, yo, Cheech Marin, shout out to him. He's a legend. I'm just saying, like, the representation that we had back in the 80s. I think that movie was from the 70s up in smoke, I believe. But, you know, the representation that we have had, right, your culture and mine, mm-hmm. is negative. Or we're party people, you know, we're just... You get what I mean? Yeah. Um, right? With hip-hop, right? Because we are a podcast that focuses on dancehall, hip-hop, reggaeton. Um, we, I just wanted to mention, right, Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel. Right, rap took a dark turn in the 1980s, right? Because this bubblegum music, you know, the Sugar Hill Gang and stuff, people actually thought that it was going to go away, you know. But then this gangster style picked up. Gangster rap, right? Where black exploitation sort of left off, right? When those films were no longer being made or popular, like something else had to take over. Um, now top rappers began to write edgy lyrics celebrating street warfare on drugs and promiscuity. Grandmaster Flash's ominous 1982 hit "The Message." With its chorus, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Mark the change in sensibility. It depicted ghetto life as profoundly desolate. You grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of deep hate. The places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number brook takers, thugs, pimps, and pushers, and the big money makers. Right? So what is this showing us? Like, that became cool. That started fascinating people. Right? That type of those types of lyrics it's like whoa like this is what really goes on that's cool like no it's not cool you know like that i don't think that was the message they were trying to get across i think they were just trying to talk about their experience and what they were seeing on a day-to-day basis and somehow it became popular right it got a different audience it got young white kids to start listening and like you know bumping it in their cars and stuff and their parents didn't like that at all Mm mm-hmm 
right? So it's once again coming back to music helping people. Music helped these guys, right? And uh, they started inspiring people that you didn't need to be the big drug dealer in the neighborhood to have the big gold chains and all the money. You can do something legitimate with that. You can get into music. And at that time, it was saving a lot of young a lot of young men and uh, young women, right? They were getting into rap, staying off the streets, right? They were just talking about what was going on in the streets, but not necessarily participating because they had a dream now that they wanted to be this artist that they were watching on TV talking about stories that they're living, right? Their experience. So now imagine if um, a lot of these criminals that these people are talking about in their songs, right? What if they had something like music as an outlet from when they were kids? So that they could always go back to that, no matter what age they're at, right? Some research, right, of about children being exposed to music at a very early age, right? So I read something that said research undertaken by a team of researchers in the 1990s showed that the exposure to music from early childhood onwards helps children to speak more clearly, develop a larger vocabulary, and strengthen social and emotional skills. The psychologist Howard Gardner already argued in 1983 that music intelligence is as important as logical and emotional intelligence. This is because music has the ability to strengthen the connection between the body and brain to work together as a team. For instance, when dancing and moving to music, children develop better motor skills, whereas singing along to songs help them to practice their singing voice. In general, the exposure to music supports children in their development process to learn the sounds of tones and words. Right, so imagine if kids were able to just communicate what they're feeling a little bit more. And unfortunately, kids in our communities, they're written off that they have some sort of disability before they're given a chance to express themselves, you know, find a way to, for them to express themselves. What, yeah. what it is, why it is that they can't learn as good as the next kid, right? Maybe they just have a different way they need to learn, a different form of attention, but it's or not a different way that. they need to be taught. You know what I mean? Because every child is different, and you have to be patient with them. And some people don't have the patience to deal with them, so they write them off, and the child loses the opportunity to really get that experience of finding out who they are and finding out what their special skills are because, you know, no one has the ability to provide that for them. Right. I gotta stop saying right. right. <laughs> <All> <laughs> <the time laughs> one thing that people deal with, especially a lot when it comes to growing up in, I guess you can say in the hood, you know, in impoverished neighborhoods, is racism. Racism from police, racism from other people in the neighborhood, from each other, right? And music can be a tool that can help with curbing and um, you know the rise of racism, it could help with educating people a little bit more, right? Through music and something that I came across um, in the UK, right? There was a movement, the Rock Against Racism movement in the 1970s, where a collection of musicians united through gigs, carnivals, and tours to spread anti-racist messaging. That became significant in creating a politics of solidarity. The movement connected the emerging traditions of punk rock from the global north and reggae from the global south bringing together and fusing different subcultures of resistance. Fascinating, right? That there was a different form, a different voice of being outspoken towards society or the government, right, in Jamaica. And then all the way across the pond, they had their own version of that, which was punk rock. It was an answer to what in the society wants of us, mm-hmm. right? They're like, F that, we're going to do our own thing. And then together, they, they came together and we were able to realize that, hey, we're not so different. You know, we're both making music. We're both trying to spread the same message, like, be yourself. Yeah. You know, be an individual. Be just, you just want to be heard. So, yeah, so 
that was just a conversation that we had that we just decided to turn it into a podcast as best as we could and share it with you guys right so we hope that you enjoyed it you got something from it because we're constantly thinking about this and part of woke up a rebel's mission is i don't know to just talk about these things and bring them to light start conversations make people aware right and hopefully people can find uh, an outlet you know before they turn to something negative right to let out rage to let out anger can get into some sort of martial art let that out it teaches you discipline you know self-control i wish i was able to have stuck with something right like uh, in a martial arts because i mean we tried krav maga yeah you know but music is life <laughs> everybody went all t- to that instead <laughs> no regrets None. right but um we hope that before you make a terrible decision you know or you find yourself in situations where you you're constantly trying to find a way out of how you're feeling and you know you can't channel that try something try music i mean you can never go wrong in trying to go for something like that you know music that helped us and you know we found our outlet right and we hope that you do too if you're going through anything but here we go episode seven revelations podcast but here we go with the conclusion of revelations podcast episode seven what did we call it <laughs> the correlation between poverty and music yes poverty and music poverty and music well y'all find you will find out what we name this when you see the title <laughs> and the episode so yeah thank you for tuning in with us we appreciate you listening to us laugh inappropriately maybe <laughs> when we shouldn't have been <laughs> but yeah we wanted to keep it light as best as possible and keep it uh, you know serious topics you know that can hopefully bring some change within our communities all right, Aisha, it was cool having this conversation with you, but I think we both got to go. Yep, ciao for now. All right, bye, people. <laughs>